I've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years now. I'd say it's more than half my life. And one thing I can say in that journey is I am more in love with Jesus than I was yesterday, last year, or a decade ago. I continue to fall more in love with him the more time I spend with him. And it's a statement that if I go back 15 years ago, I would be confused with the statement even to say, I'm in love with Jesus. That just really sounded weird to me. But one thing I was comfortable with is I was a follower of Jesus and I was protected from an eternity of hell. Now, I have several issues as a Christian. And this month, I really want to dig into the book of Colossians, a book written by a gentleman named Paul. About 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection... And I want to just drive home a few issues that I have as a follower of Jesus. Christianity is a theology. Like every other ology, it's a discovery that human beings go through determining the reality of a certain thing, person, place, Science is filled with ologies, psychologies, sociologies. Christianity is a theology. We build our understanding of who God is just like every other religion. And there are two ways to do this. First, we have the Bible. But I don't actually have my Bible. It's somewhere back there. I should get that. Someone bring that, bring, yeah, yeah, I should get that Bible. First, we build it on the Bible. And second, we have the people in our life that we respect and looked up to that tell us what to think about based on how they have interpreted this book. And unfortunately for a lot of us, our, our primary understanding, our, our most of our Christian thought is based around the latter. And there is, this is where I, my struggle begins. I am one of those people that try to interpret the Scripture, the Bible, what the Bible says, and pass that on to those that may be listening to me. And two things come to the surface on that. First is this. I have gotten it wrong in the past. And the second is this. I may have listened to people who have got it wrong in the past. With these two thoughts in mind, we all have to come to the concept that we do not have it 100% correct when it comes to theology of Christ. Because Christ is mysterious. God is mysterious. The Holy Spirit is mysterious. And thus the three-in-one, the trinity of our faith, is mysterious. And because it's mysterious, I believe that it's 
impossible to get it 100%, right? And we as humans are always striving to figure out who God is. In the end, I've come to this determination as a follower of Jesus. And I'm thankful to Chad, who continues to remind me, even this past Christmas, he wrote in my Christmas card the thankfulness he has. And one of the things that I've taught you as a congregation is, as a follower of Jesus, I want to be the type of Jesus that confused the Pharisees. Do you know what I'm talking about when it comes to that? Because the Pharisees were the ones that thought they had it 100% right all the time. They knew who God was, and they knew how to get to God. I want to be the type of guy, the type of Jesus, that confuses the Pharisees. But with that said, we have to have some foundational truths in our lives. Thankfully, you go back several centuries, we have our creeds, which we've repeated in this church based on firm foundations of I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who suffered under Pontius Pilate and died and rose again. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. I believe in these things. And as a church, we went through a task in 2023 to discover our personal statement of faith uh, that we would say is KBC, statement of faith, and things that we believe as Christians. And within that, Jesus is the Son of God, would be at the top, God is Father, and I believe that he sent his Son, the Holy Spirit, and the fact that I believe that he guides me in everyday life. And then we have this one line down a little bit further when it comes to our theology on hell. And here's what KBC stands on at this point. That's within our Constitution at this point. It says this. We believe hell is an eternal separation from God. The Bible defines it as a place we, uh, uh, we go and, um, and do, or sorry, a place that we do not want to end up. It is where love ceases to exist. That's a statement that we hold to as a church. Hell is not an easy word to say. That's why a lot of us sometimes say H-E double hockey sticks, Right? It is a place of eternal, and now what I'm about to say is a statement that a lot of churches have placed in their statement of faith, and I want to discuss today. Hell is a place of eternal, conscious torment for everyone who does not trust in Jesus Christ. Hell involves final separation from God's mercy and from God's people, unending experience of divine judgment and just retribution for sin. We who are followers of Jesus, based on that statement, are in an exclusive club. I have to believe that hell is a place 
for people who do not believe in Jesus as their personal Savior to go when they die. Which leads me to question number one of our January sermon series on Colossians, which is this. Do people who don't know Jesus go to hell? I don't have the answer. I don't want this message to be one that tells you what to think when it comes to that question. I want this message to be one that stretches the way you think about this question. I have thought long and hard about this one. Not just for the last week, but for the last 25 years of my journey of following Jesus Christ. And I have a lot of lost people in my life. I have led funerals questioning whether that person has faith necessary enough to meet my standard, thus Jesus' standard in my mind, and question where they are eternally. I have deemed a lot of good people to not meet the standard. And here is where my theology has led me. Based on what I know of the gospel, that I have been told, these people I love are in hell right now. In my sermon notes, I have one word with three dots. Pause. This is your opportunity to begin to discern based on what I've just said what you currently believe. How many people do you know are atheists because of the statement I just read? How many people have struggled to believe in a Father in Heaven because of this particular theology? At the same time, how many people do you know have faith because of this theology? Or better yet, the hellfire and brimstone theology. Many may have experienced heaven's gates, hell's flames. Another way to put it is particularly fire insurance. At the age of 20, I was walking from my place of work in Fredericton, a place called Athletes World and Bata Shoes. Do you guys remember Bata Shoes? Do you remember this place? I had the privilege of working in a sports store selling basketball shoes at the same time of being able to sell loafers 
to elderly ladies and such. And I got used to a, a particular scent that happened when women or men would remove their shoes to try on another pair of shoes. And we had a policy within our store that we would measure everybody's feet. We'd get close and personal with them. Um, I knew that something I had to have on hand at all times was gum to mask any smell that might be created by the um, length of time that someone might have been wearing the shoes previous to taking them off. This was not pleasant. Nor was the conversation I had with a gentleman named Wade, who was my co-worker, when I left the store with him after we closed up. On the way out to the car, he asked me this question. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? That question led me on a journey that has lasted 25 years. The message makes sense. Of course, I do not want to live the rest of my eternity in torment of a fiery pit. So I give my life to Jesus, and I have. And it's led me on this beautiful journey. Because if I don't, God is going to send me to a place that I do not want to be. A loving Heavenly Father is going to send me to a place that I don't want to go. And now I live the rest of my life in security of knowing that when I die, I get to go to heaven. That's exciting. And because of this, the way that I ended up starting my relationship with people, I begin to see them in that light. I begin to see every human being in the light of my decision that one day. And because I came to a relationship with Jesus with the fear of something that I did not want to end up in, I make sure that every decision a person makes based on this is the same as the one that I made. I did something to earn it. I am in the club. I've preached this, and I have lived this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 contradicts this in some way, that I've earned it by saying the right words. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Have you ever had a conversation with a person about the day that they cannot believe in Jesus? 
I'll ask that again. Have you ever had a conversation with a person about the day that they came to a realization that they cannot believe in Jesus? Several reasons for that may be lack of evidence. I can't believe in a God like that. Or the last, because someone in my life that I trusted hurt me in a way that I can never forget. And that person had that conviction, that same conviction. And the things they did to me were unspeakable. I can't believe in a God like that. Let me state this before I get into any searching for an answer to the question. This question, do people who don't know Jesus go to hell? I don't have the answer. I want to state this answer that I don't have the answer with the thought that I currently in my stage of life am more in love with Jesus than I have ever been in my life. I know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to get to the Father is through him. I am more secure in my eternity now than I have ever been, and it's not because of one moment in time where I gave my life to Christ, and he became my personal Savior. I am secure because he is my father in heaven, and he loves me, not just because the Bible tells me so, but because I wake up every day of my life with a new breath. It is not my breath, but the breath of my father in heaven, but I struggle. And I have questions, and I know I'm not the only one. There's a website, Paul, if you could put it up there. It's, it's an up-to-date status of um, the current world population. It's climbing 8 billion, 83 million, 778. Burst this year, so far, 2 million, 300. There's 8 billion people on this earth. This stat is ever-changing. In fact, it's changing as it's up on the screen. There are 4.4 babies born every second. 1.8 people die every second. The last updated January stat shows that there is a population increase of 1.05 because of the 4.4 babies born every minute, the second versus 1.8 that die every second. With that stat in mind, world Christian stats would suggest that 31% of the world is Christian. 2.5 billion people would tick off the box that says, I'm a Christian. That means 5.5 billion people 
do not profess Jesus as Christ. Every day, 150,000 people die every day. 100,000 people die every day without having accepted Christ as personal Savior. Why do I say these words? Because I'm trying to search for the answer to the question. And I need to come to the gravity of the answer. 100,000 people die every day without having accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. People struggle with believing that Jesus was born in a manger, lived 33 years, died on a cross for mankind, and rose again. 100,000 people every day do not believe this. In my sermon notes again, I have these two words now. The first is pause, and the next is pray. As we open up Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to pray. And I've been praying a long time about this particular part of the message. And I want you to pray with me. That you go into this conversation with the desire to hear the Father's heart on the life of these 100,000 people. That today will lose their life and based on theology will live in eternity in hell. Father, you know we love you. And we love you not because of anything we did, but because what you did first for us. We are your children with a question. And the question is this, Father. Do 100,000 people every day find themselves without your love? God, I struggle with that question. And this message is not one that's going to have an answer. But I know what it will do. It will lead us towards your heart. And God, as I read, read the Bible, I see an endless amount of times that your love is expressed. And most importantly, Father, it is expressed through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for the salvation that you give to each one of us that have accepted you as personal Savior. But we still have the question. So help us be at peace with the answer that you give. In Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Please hear me when I say this. I'm not trying to give an answer to the question. 
I'm trying to seek it. Verse 15 says this about Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church, or head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If... If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and I, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And I recognize at this point it is 1106. But this question is an important one. Estimates suggest that the global population during Jesus' time and potentially the writing of Colossians was around 200 million to 300 million people. Since that time, there is roughly an estimate of 100 to 115 billion people that have lived on this earth. Colossians is 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, written about six, to, a, to a church about 1,600 kilometers from Jerusalem, about a two-week walk. In 30 years, the gospel has spread to these 200 to 300 million people. And the gospel continues to spread to the 8 billion people on this earth. The good news of Jesus was spreading, and it was spreading. People were still dying without ever hearing the news. The good news of Jesus was spreading. What is the, what is the goodness that they were talking about? As the news spreads through the early church, it's, it was coming from eyewitness encounters and accounts and being spread as fast as it could. The first time since the Garden of Eden, God was coming into relationship with people and seeing the righteousness come about in lives of people and allowing them a ticket to heaven if they repented and believed. And before the message spread to certain towns, people kept dying of natural causes. The Garden of Eden, the world became broken. Adam's sin is talked about in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 18. Romans chapter 5 has this understanding that what happened to Adam became universal. Verse 12 talks about this whole idea that therefore just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men. 
because all sin is universal. For all fall short of the glory of God. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking commandment, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? We create a universal outcome of Adam's sin. But for some reason, Christ's sacrifice did not have the same power in our theology. Adam's sin was universal. Christ was selective. Back to Colossians for a second. He uses this word reconciliation. An English translation of the reconciliation would talk about the idea of re or uh, you know, coming back with the word consolare, to bring together. The verb consolare was talking about a, con- a council or assembly of many in Latin. The Greek word for reconciliation that we get our English word from is a a word called catalasso. Catalasso is described earlier in Galatians and is written catalasso. Follow me on this. Husband and wife are uh, broken in the relationship. There seems to be no way to reconcile the relationship until one day uh, the husband says, you know what? I miss the relationship I have with my wife. I'm going to catalasso it. I'm going to reconcile it. But the wife is like, not a chance. That's catalasso. There's an attempt at reconciliation, but the second party is not willing to to be part of that. Catalasso. Paul, several years later, reiterates this reconciliation in Colossians. And he basically says, I have, or Christ has reconciled to him all things. I've got it circled, all things. He created all things. And I have to think that in all things, when he created all things, he was talking about me. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Now, if you think the word catalasso for a second, that husband-wife relationship, it's catalasso's, if we think generally, it's like Christ is saying, I'm going to reconcile myself to you, but you have to make the decision, which is our theology. And I'm good with that because I got an eternity in heaven coming. I'm good with that. But Paul does something here in Greek that can't be reflected in English. He puts three letters at the front of Catalasso, and these three letters are APO. APO spells apocatalasso. And what that three letters is saying is, I did it. I fully reconciled it. I, I, I did it because I love you. Like a child-father relationship, 
I will not allow my child to receive any harm intentionally. As a dad, I am a dad who will do anything to protect my kids. I would go in their place. That's what I would do as a dad. Heaven is a place where God's will is accomplished. The Lord's Prayer talks about the idea of heaven coming to earth. Looking like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hell is the opposite of that. Jesus used the word hell seven times in Matthew. The Valley of Hinnom or, or Gehenna. I drive by the Crane Mountain landfill every single day. Have you ever smelt the Crane Mountain landfill, just a particular part of the Highway 7 where you... It's, it doesn't smell pleasant. Gehenna was a landfill, technically what Jesus was talking about, is a landfill outside of Jerusalem, just on the boundaries, where there was an eternal fire happening that was burning up everything that was put into the landfill. That's when he was giving them the warning about an eternal hell. Now, do not hear me wrong on this. There is an eternal hell. There is an eternal separation from, from, from the Father. There is an afterlife. The Bible suggests both heaven and hell in the afterlife, and I believe in that. And the advantage of being a follower of Jesus in this room is that we get to describe our life with Jesus as a personal relationship Jesus, knowing this for certain, that I am loved by him. I don't have to be religious to attain perfection. It brings me peace. We get to love from it, and we get to accomplish the things that he calls us to, which is his will. And know that I am reconciled to him. And theology is important. Is what I am believing, and this is an important statement when it comes to theology, is what I am believing making me more like Jesus. Hell is a real place. It's part of my theology. It is a place on earth. And many people experience it every day. And the hell that they're experiencing is almost always caused by humans. There is brokenness in our world. And there are Christian people who have caused brokenness in people's lives. And because of that brokenness that they are causing in their lives, there are people that cannot believe this. But the gospel is simple. And this is not the answer to the question. What I am pointing out is what Paul is saying in Colossians chapter 1. And I will just read it. And we need to go from this place, not listening to what Pastor Brian said today. We need to go from this place with our personal relationship with Jesus and come to peace with the answer that we received. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things. This is not the end of the sermon. We'll be working on this for the next three weeks. The idea of the gospel being simple. In no way do I not believe 
that Jesus did not die for my sins. I believe it wholeheartedly. I'm just wondering why I earned it by saying a prayer one day. I want to see myself like the lost coin or the lost sheep or the prodigal son. I want to see myself as not the person that earned it, the, the person that was caught up in Jesus pursuing me all the way to the grave. He has the keys to hell. And as a father here on earth of three amazing kids, if I had the keys to any place they were trapped, I would use them. We're going to go into time of communion right now to recognize the reconciliation that has already happened. Marilyn's going to come and she's going to share. And I'm looking forward to this opportunity for us to recognize the reconciliation that we have with Christ. And please hear me say this. I don't know the answer. All I can do is know the Father's heart.